Good afternoon and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association and in conjunction with WERU, our community radio station. My name is CJ Walk. I use he, him pronouns, and I am the host for today's episode of Common Ground Radio. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the second Thursday of each month at 4 p.m. right here on WERU. Previous editions of our show and other great shows can be found in the archive section of the WERU website at www.weru.org, as well as on the WERU app for your mobile device. So today on Common Ground Radio, uh, we are speaking with the members of Retree Us. We have two guests here on the show today, Richard Hodges, who is the founder and program manager for Retrius and Shelly Kruszewski, who is the program coordinator. Retrius is planting trees of fruit and seeds of thought. And the mission of Retrius is to promote an environmentally sustainable, socially just food system through education, practical resources, and mentorship. In 2008, Retrius became a nonprofit project, the 501c3 under United Charitable. And in 2012, the program established its first educational orchards in schools and with partner nonprofits. Since then, the organization has planted over 70 school and community orchards throughout the state of Maine, as well as developing and delivering educational programming, signage, and workshops. Each orchard serves as, as an engaging outdoor classroom, and Retrius looks forward to planting many more orchards to come. So to get back to our guests here after that intro introduction for the organization, I think I'd like to ask uh, Richard, Richard Hodges, the program founder and program manager, just to speak a little bit about the organization and, uh, and the work that you folks do. Yeah, well, thanks for having us on today and uh, really happy to be doing this work. It's been a labor of love for a very long time and uh, for the past several years, been able to work on it full time. So yeah, I've just felt for a very long time that teaching youth about growing food and also just inspiring an environmental ethic um, is just so essential to continued society that works. Uh, so I've been involved in some form of outdoor education since I was able to be a counselor in training at the age of 14. Um, and so let folks do the math, but uh, 24 years later, uh, still uh, working in that field and uh, just trying to get kids outside and thinking about where their food comes from. So the idea with uh, planting orchards in schools has been uh, seedling in, in my thoughts uh, for a very long time. So kind of rewinding back to where this program came from, uh, I would say that I felt very fortunate to grow up in an atmosphere where in Maine and where I got to spend a lot of time outside and then spending summers uh, in the White Mountains, uh, um, Squam Lake in New Hampshire, and I'm doing camps 
you know, paddling out on the lake and uh, just being in the mountains, I, you know, grew up with an environmental ethic and just an appreciation for nature. Um, and as I got older, you know, I started doing more organic farming. Uh, so again, honored to be uh, on this program with Mafka uh, because I do think organic farming is just so important to health of humans and the environment. Um, so kind of the, the marriage between the two, uh, the environment and um, growing food uh, is something that I think a lot of people are becoming more and more aware of and some people have always been aware of you know, combining those two and being involved in outdoor education um, and then organic farming. And then uh, thinking about, also I got to work at an outdoor school in California after college uh, where I got to lead hikes through the Redwoods for a couple of years being a naturalist and uh, go down to the ocean and tide pools with students and just the wow factor and, and knowing that those experiences can be transformative um, not to say that they always are, and it always depends on the individual and where they're at, but uh, sometimes you can see the light bulb go up and on um, in students' brains and um, just see that aha moment happen. Um, and that is truly inspiring. And, and to be a facilitator of that is just a great honor and privilege. And so I uh, loved working as an outdoor educator um, and as a naturalist in California. And then I uh, ran their educational garden program. So we saw about 4,000 students in the course of a year, uh, but they would come in Monday and they'd leave Friday and they'd get to stay in the Redwoods and have this amazing experience. And they'd get to come to my garden and I'd get to uh, you know, run programs with them and uh, do different activities in the garden and orchard there. I love growing citrus. That's one thing that um, you know, living in the Northeast uh, don't really get to do much of started experiment with some uh, very interesting varieties, but um, not huge success yet. Just seeing that experience in, you know, they had recreation time where the students could do whatever they wanted. And um, some kids would even march up the hill. The, the one day we offered a uh, garden as uh, an option for, for recreation time. And sometimes we'd get a bunch of kids coming up to just be a part of the garden and, and get another dose of that experience. So just thought of how wonderful that was, but you know, the kids left on Friday and um, then they went back to their schools. And so just thought how awesome it would be if kids had that kind of resource always at their school. Uh, and so that's kind of what helped nudge the dream. Um, and so I guess in 2008 kind of uh, formally founded uh, the idea of Retrius, uh, planting orchards in schools, uh, just the idea of watching a tree grow over time um, and eventually have it kind of bear fruit can be a source of huge inspiration. So founded it in 2008, but it wasn't until moving back to Maine in uh, 2012 that we started planting orchards and at the time was uh, working multiple jobs uh, after coming, you know, doing the out west and then back east dynamic, which which I, I think is a great thing to do to shake it up. But I knew that I'd always come back, um, back east. And so, you know, back in 2012, still worked a bunch of different jobs, including Retrius part time. And then as the program has grown over time, and as uh, foundations in Maine have been very supportive and individuals 
uh, have latched on to what we've done and seen the impact. We've been able to grow the program and, you know, sustain staff and just really, um, you know, honored and privileged also to work with Shelly um, as the program coordinator. So I've known Shelly a really long time because she's my sister. Happened to be while Retrias was growing and expanding to uh, growth staff, Shelly was moving um, from a position as executive director of the Androscoggin Land Trust. Um, and just, she had already done a bunch of volunteer work for Retrias and uh, clearly shared the vision. So, you know, in the last couple of years that Shelly's been on staff, we've grown even more, expanded our programs. And so, yeah, uh, we typically plant 12 to 50 fruit trees at schools. Sometimes Arbor Day Foundation is helping us do these larger 50 tree orchards. Uh, it's apple, pears, peaches primarily. We try to choose varieties that are as disease and pest resistant as possible, knowing that, you know, experiencing troubleshooting is part of uh, the education at these orchards. So uh, as far as apples go, you know, there's so many great resources the Maine Heritage Orchard Project and, and all the great work being done, you know, with uh, in collaboration with Mafka's Seed and Scion Exchange and learning about all sorts of varieties. Uh, we have found that, you know, there are some winter varieties that of apple that are slightly less susceptible to pests and disease that um, than others and, you know, really love planting Black Oxford. So, you know, I, I love being on a show like this where we could kind of go into all these details of varieties and, and happy to explore that, uh, but also love planting peach trees and particularly Asian pears. Uh, they, they've, we've had a lot of success with Asian pears, sometimes um, a little cold hardiness issues um, in, in some of the more Northern regions, but, but yeah, a lot of success. And, um, you know, on our website, there's a, a map that kind of depicts all of the places uh, we are scattered throughout the state. So, you know, from Holton to Saco, uh, we're kind of all over the place. Um, and then just, uh, I'll, I'll open up so that I'm not just continuing to ramble on, but appreciate having the soapbox here. Um, but uh, just having the experience of organic farming and gardening and uh, ran the team ag program at uh, Wolf's Neck Center for Ag and the Environment. Uh, for a few years. And um, so had also that farming perspective and organic gardening perspective. I couldn't help myself looking over my shoulder when we we're doing these orchard programs at the school gardens and um, providing my unsolicited advice. Through the process, I've kind of developed this, what we call the back to school garden project, which is uh, aligning school gardens to the school calendar, because that's one thing. Been a part of Maine School Garden Network and their board for about a decade. And, um, you know, that's just one thing that we experience again and again with uh, these school gardens is difficulty in the summertime. Um, not to say all school garden programs, there are some really exemplary programs where um, they do pay somebody throughout the summer to maintain the garden. It's worth every penny, um, I would say, and we're trying to have that expanded. And that's the ideal, is a full-time uh, educator in the garden at every school. That's what I'd love to see. That's part of why I've been on the board of Maine School Garden Network so long. But um, until we can reach that, uh, we do, and even uh, this uh, program, the Back to School Garden program is 
um, helpful even in that setting. So it's really utilizing sheet mulching, heavily sheet mulching um, the gardens in uh, May and June before students leave and then planting uh, things that can grow relatively drought tolerance. So, you know, kind of a set it and forget it. And the idea with laying down, you know, paper and compost is that you're uh, mitigating weeds, but you're also building soil, um, maintaining moisture, preventing desiccation. Um, so, and then we have schools, seed, direct seed, um, pumpkins and squash and popping corn, all things that when they come back in September, they can dry on the vine or dry on the stock and they can harvest that. And then we've been working with farms, uh, organic farms to grow successions of kale and lettuce and spinach seedlings that we deliver whole trays of to the schools in September, uh, along with row cover so that they can grow these uh, cold hardy, nutrient rich crops right through December in some cases, um, and really have a critical mass of yield. So we'll, we'll deliver, you know, about half a dozen trays of anywhere from 50 tray cells to 128. Um, so, so they're able to plant a lot of plants. So they're able to really have a critical mass yield that can go to the cafeteria and the cafeteria staff oftentimes knows how to incorporate those things. So really excited about that program. And again, I could go on and on. I want to make sure that leaving the floor open for everybody else's thoughts and, and we're, we're wanting to guide this as well. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Shelly, if I could jump over to you as program coordinator and maybe just kind of a bit about your background and, and coming into work for Retree Us here. Sure, sure. Um, so as mentioned, I'm Shelly Krzyzewski, the program coordinator for Retrius. And um, as Richard mentioned, um, we are brother and sister. And so, of course, um, I've been a big fan and um, supporter of um, Retrius uh, right from the beginning and, um, you know, have just really enjoyed watching the program and, you know, watching Retrius grow. And just thinking about, um, you know, kind of Richard's um, background. Richard is someone who has managed to, um, I think every single job that you've had, and I know you mentioned that at sometimes you had several at a time, <laughs> but even then, I think you managed to um, have jobs that incorporated um, education, and the environment, one or the other, or both at the same time. Um, so it's just um, been fun to watch um, that, you know, it, it seems like you've always been able to find work that you could really get behind and that you really um, loved. And, and, and I think that um, that <laughs> is fruitful too, because by, by, you know, having that passion about what you're doing, um, you are, are able to turn that into um, something very productive, you know, for what you're, what you're giving back as well. So, and, and my um, path has been, you know, not quite as, I guess I wouldn't say that every single job that I've had has been outdoors or education-based, um, and though we both did our, our first job um, for in both of our cases was working um, as a you know counselor in training at 
the same summer camp. <laughs> so we did start at the same um, origin. I then um, went on to work um, as a legal assistant for a number of years um, and then um, worked um, in a school for a number of years um, and then um, went back to school um, to to complete a master's in community planning and development with a focus on land use and the environment. And um, then eventually um, that led me to work um, in land conservation, as Richard mentioned. Um, and I was just so thrilled um, to be able to transition to to, to be staff um, for Retrias and you know be part of um, you know what is now a family business. Um, and um, so I started working for Retrias in 2020. It's just the experience of um, you know planting orchards um, and gardens with students um, as many people who do that um, know, there's just something so special about that experience um, and, and, you know, being able to witness the learning that's happening, but also just the excitement and joy <laughs> that is happening. Um, and it's, it's exciting to think about, about, you know, kind of cultivating the future of people working in agriculture um, and also to to realize that um, outdoor classrooms and, and gardens and orchards, you know, they can really be a place where some students who may um, not feel completely at home in the classroom or, or that may struggle a little bit more in the classroom um, can really thrive um, in, in the outdoor classroom or in the orchard or the class or the, um, the garden. So it's just been, um, yeah, absolutely thrilling for me to, to be able to be a part of this work. Great. Thank you, Shelley. You are tuned in to Common Ground Radio. Today, we are speaking with Richard Hodges and Shelley Kruchevsky, who run Retree Us, a nonprofit organization that coordinates and plants educational orchards and gardens at schools across the state of Maine and elsewhere in New England. This show has been pre-recorded, so we are not taking phone calls. Thank you. I'm excited to have you both on for one of our shows here on, on Common Ground Radio. And I think in the interest of full disclosure, I will put out there that I am a member of your advisory committee. So, so I have some involvement as well, but extremely minimal to the amount of work that the two of you put in o- over the course of the year. So you started more or less in 2012 with your first orchards. And I'm curious um, if you could kind of describe, maybe not those first years so much, but the process of being able to get an orchard planted at a school seems like a tremendous amount of coordination between finding the school and the people involved. I know you have orchard coordinators at the different schools to help facilitate that process, but then you also need to source the trees and the right types of trees and the right amounts of trees, as well as things like soil amendments and uh, mulches and all that. So I'm curious, Richard, can you speak a little bit more? You've touched on it a bit, but a little bit more about that kind of process of how you go about establishing an orchard. And then if a school were interested, you know, we can talk a little bit down the line about 
about how to get got, how to get a hold of you folks and in contact. A bit on the the early orchard start piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot of good content in that question. So um, I might do my circuitous uh, answer here, and but I'll start it with saying yes, and we're we're very honored to have you, CJ, on our advisory committee. <laughs> And Thank you. Uh, thanks for disclosing that. <laughs> um, so yeah, starting in 2012, there were it was a very much learning process, and uh, we learned early on that uh, maybe being an outside group of a school that's you know, hey, I want to plant fruit trees at your school, uh, you know, doesn't always go over well with everybody, um, and that wondering like why why do you want to and do this and like what what problems is it going to cause how much extra work is this going to cause me uh, from the school's perspective so um so the first few orchards we did kind of already had a relationship with the schools uh, either schools we went to uh, or uh, just closely connected to so i think the first year we did three orchards and then it's just grown every year. Uh, this year we have about 15 lined up and, and some also really big projects in the mix there. Um, and so, you know, it's also started out doing uh, bare root trees. So, um, and, and that's still what we've done pretty consistently. So trees that can be uh, a lot easier to access, um, you know, Fedco trees does a fabulous job with bare root trees. Uh, so uh, dormant trees that get planted in the spring um, in the ground. Uh, yeah, as you said, amended. We've always added compost to holes. We haven't done too much, say, fertilizer. Or, um, you know, most main soils are uh, acidic on the acidic side. So, you know, adding compost can be a general fix-all because it, it increases the organic matter. Um, and most of the time, the water retention, uh, water holding capacity, and also uh, increases the pH a bit. So um, it's kind of a you know easy fix all. Uh, but with that being said, you know planting bare root trees in schools has its own problems and issues that we've dealt with over time and created. Uh, solutions to. Uh, you mentioned the orchard caretakers. That's really uh, the cornerstone of the program. So, um, so it's gone from kind of having to solicit interest from schools uh, for this orchard program and 10 years ago, 2012, uh, to now where we have an online application at retreeus.org or retree.us, same thing. Um, so there's an application process and we're now working through, we have a, um, you know, programs lined up for 2023 as well. Um, and so we encourage if, if there are schools listening out there or, or folks that are interested in, in getting a school that they're a part of involved, um, you know, it's kind of a rolling application. So um, would encourage folks to check that out and, and apply. Um, so with that being said, the biggest thing that we look at is is the orchard caretaker in the investment of the school in terms of uh, how much are they is the school willing to make sure the trees succeed um, and so we send out orchard caretaker newsletters now to provide seasonal updates 
um, you know, and we've learned how important it is to drill down on the fact that, um, you know, before winter, uh, you've got to make sure you wrap the bases of your trees, um, protect them from voles. Um, so voles and deer have been kind of the biggest uh, issues facing our trees. And so we also have developed a pretty simple deer prevention uh, system. Uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it, it works very well with our system. Um, so, you know, kind of using six foot welded wire fence around each tree uh, with, with posts that hold it in place and, and doing a wide enough span so the tree can can really spread out um, before it starts being constricted by the by the ring and then also heavily mulching and, and sheep mulching around the base of the tree to to make sure that weed whackers aren't tempted and that it's also not um, creating additional work for facilities at the school um, who are already very busy. And so, uh, we, yeah, we've definitely, it's been a learning process. We've, and one of the things I wanted to mention is we have kind of, uh, I, I still will plant bare root trees, uh, particularly directly in the ground, you know, at my own homestead. Um, and in, in cases, we'll, we'll continue to do that. But for the school orchard programs, we've actually uh, started creating our own nursery. Uh, so, um, and, and maybe, and something I actually, CJ, I wanna talk to you about too, because uh, we're creating kind of satellite little nurseries to, to help support uh, the various areas that uh, we're serving so that we don't have to transport huge amounts of seven gallon uh, potted trees because that, Potted trees um, have their own set of issues as well. So, but we've learned that if they're not super root bound, uh, that potted trees that are planted in the fall um, have greater success in these kind of uh, varying degrees of maintenance systems. So we've really moved to actually all our uh, school orchard programs this year are going to be planted in the fall. Um, and so in seven gallon pots for the most part, um, good soil um, with mulch. And then it allows us to kind of holistically maintain the trees for the first year and let really kind of um, baby them uh, in our nursery. Um, and then, and also, you know, apply a holistic sprays um, that are um, all natural. So, um, will really set the trees up for success. And then that little seven gallons of soil that goes in with the trees we've found really uh, gives it a little buffer as it's finding its way into uh, varying, you know, anywhere from clay soils to pretty much fill. <laughs> um, and, and we have planted in fill before and uh, bare root trees don't do well in fill um, and neither do, do really, uh, there's not, you're not setting yourself up for a lot of success, but if you keep building soil around a tree planted in kind of sandy, rocky soil, it can find its way. And trees are pretty amazing that way. Um, and, and they like the drainage of, of fill. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, we there are trees that we planted at the same time in um, kind of not the best soils versus trees we planted in really ideal soils and, and it makes a huge difference. These potted trees do provide a buffer um, and we're getting greater success by doing it that way. So it's really evolved, you know, three or four year, um, orchards our first year, 
I'm doing all bare root trees to now doing about 15, uh, including some very large projects, um, uh, all planted in the fall, and then adding in this back to school garden program. Um, so yeah, there's been quite an evolution um, and uh, a lot of learning and um, also a big shout out to, to the folks at the schools who maintain the gardens and keep an eye out on the orchards and um, are in communication with us. Uh, and so we return to the orchards to do pruning workshops um, and, you know, provide guidance on, on the growing, the continued health of the trees. Um, so it's, it's always a learning process. Uh, but we have learned a lot in the 10 years since we first started planting. Shelly, did you want to add anything there? Well, I'll just add that um, what's been great about this kind of newer um, model of fall plantings is that um, what that allows us to do is so we still visit um, schools in the spring. Um, and when we visit in the spring, um, we can you know, measure and flag um, the orchard, you know, tree locations. Um, we can also um, prepare the sites um, with um, cardboard and compost. Um, and, you know, and that's something that can be done with students um, as well. Um, so, so it works out great to be able to do these kind of orchard prep visits in the spring. And, and at the same time, we can also um, be doing our spring portion of the back to school garden. So um, it works out great. You know, in, in many cases, we can do both of those things at the same school. Um, so we'll be heavily mulching the garden beds and mulching the um, orchard sites. And then when we go back in the fall, we can be um, both delivering um, seedlings um, and, um, you know, planting, planting new, new fruit trees and new orchards. I guess some of the other things that happen in the spring um, are, you know, pruning, pruning workshops. Um, that's another, um, you know, aspect of, of what we do is um, visit for, for pruning um, workshops. And also um, Richard will also do um, grafting workshops. And then the only other thing I was thinking of adding is just um, Richard mentioned that, um, you know, schools can go to our website to apply for the our orchard program. And there is also a separate application to apply for the back to school garden program there. Thanks, Shirley. So let's just let's just touch a little bit more on the back to school garden program, because that's more of a recent development for you folks. And I'm just wondering if you could maybe give a little background about how that that project kind of emerged or how it went, came about. And it does seem that it has some really good overlap or dovetail with with the orchard management management piece. And I can also see something that you're going to be able to eat a little bit sooner than planting a fruit tree. Sure, sure. Happy to talk about it. And, um, you know, since this is the Mafka show, um, I've kind of just um, used, you know, sheep mulching, uh, just assuming understanding, but but um, to be more thoughtful. Uh, yeah, sheep mulching is a uh, process, you know, lasagna gardening is another way, um, but it's, you know, using material and uh, to, to, to mulch and to, to build soils. Uh, so we, so the back to school garden program started by this process that Shelly just mentioned uh, with cardboard and compost, where 
uh, doing a preliminary visit where uh, we can really scope out the site. Um, we encourage schools to do soil tests. Um, doesn't happen in all cases, um, but uh, we'll, we'll at least go there and can dig a pilot hole and, and um, get a sense of what the soil structure and texture is like, and, and we can talk about that. Um, and then, and also, you know, if it's if it's accommodating fruit trees, um, and then we will have the students uh, lay down cardboard at the site of each tree planting, and then compost on top of that. And it's just a great lesson in decomposition and how to build organic matter. Uh, we always talk about the FBI, um, the fungus, bacteria, and invertebrates. That, that break down that cardboard, because it's always a great lesson if students are involved in laying that down in the spring and then coming back in the fall and seeing that the cardboard's gone um, and, and that the FBI really went to work. Um, it's, it's always fun. So we started doing that at the schools and as was doing that, you know, I couldn't help but think about its application in, in the school gardens and, and uh, seeing, you know, pretty good looking structures that, you know, of, of raised beds that, you know, maybe everybody had the, the right intentions of, of gardening at the school. Um, and then summer in Maine, which is uh, just this fleeting thing uh, that can be really nice, uh, but also where things grow really fast. And, you know, teachers of all people should be getting to the beach and, um, and maybe not, uh, or to the lakes and, and not too, uh, you know, sacrifice all their time pulling weeds in the garden and at their school and so on. So, um, so yeah, the mulching process as it applies to garden beds at schools uh, just kind of really was a, a light bulb in my head. And, uh, you know, after troubleshooting school garden issues for a long time and thinking about how to make it work. So, uh, just started really encouraging schools to, to mulch their beds before they leave for the summer. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that can just be recycled paper, uh, three or four layers thick, uh, and then um, and compost on top of that a couple inches thick. And, and there are, so if it's really well finished compost, uh, and we do work closely with Coast of Maine, and, and they do have really supported our program a lot. Um, and they provide really finished uh, compost and lobster compost. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> uh, that really breaks down well. Um, and it also uh, is finished enough that you can direct seed into it. So uh, pumpkins and popping corn and um, winter squash, these things that can pretty much be planted in this and the soil is breaking down. And, and the other extension of it is, you know, I, I really am, uh, excited that there's a lot more awareness um, these days of the importance of organic matter and building organic matter and how that relates to carbon sequestration and storing carbon in the soil. Uh, so, you know, the more organic matter you have in the soil is corollary to the amount of carbon sequestration that soil is able to have. So it's all related. And there's a lot of lessons in this whole process of sheep mulching um, and no-till agriculture. So this is a no-till agriculture technique that we're um, really laying out in a lot of ways, uh, mm -hmm. you know, literally laying it out with the paper, um, but also just kind of making it 
plug and play uh, this process that lets you grow over the summer so you're not losing that opportunity. And if you are, you know, do have a more robust program where, uh, you know, somebody's getting paid to maintain and even work with students in the summer, uh, that's ideal. And I uh, love my cherry tomatoes and love all this. Um, so not trying to encourage folks to, to exclude those things, but um, but these things that you can set and forget, and you can do that for a few beds and build your soil in some beds rather than having it be desiccated or open. Um, you're, you're building soil, you're building organic matter. Um, and then, um, yeah, just work with, you know, being an organic farmer at times and, and just that fall succession of greens is great. Um, and that's when things, so by planting in September, uh, you know, farmers do that anyway. Um, and so it's just something that, you know, maybe home gardeners, a lot of probably do, but, you know, some folks don't have the capacity to grow really healthy seedlings, especially in school where there's not necessarily programs going on. So in September, you want really stout, healthy kale seedlings, for instance, um, that are maybe started in July and um, lettuce seedlings that are started in August. Um, to go in the ground um, so that they're really healthy at in September as the days kind of wane and the sun wanes and um, you know that's a great time for planting spinach and things so um, we're really focusing on yeah that quick turnaround so um, you know love the idea of the long-term uh, investment of orchards and fruit trees but also I, I do appreciate instant gratification and, and the idea that you can plant something in September and in the case of lettuce, harvest it in October, or even later in September, um, you know, depending on, on varieties and, and all sorts of things of the lettuce um, but um, it, or kale. I love kale, you know, I, I feel like I've got to eat more kale sticker here. I feel like I was distributing these before it was as popular as it is now, but um, I, for, rightfully so. I think for some folks, it's always been popular, but um, but I've definitely been on the kale wave for quite a long time. Um, and so, um, so just really happy to bring that to schools and, and with row cover that we're bringing to, I mean, you know, uh, and hoops for the row cover to keep it off and even keep snow off for, for the first couple of snows, uh, off the plants so that you can harvest it. Um, you know, folks can harvest kale right through December. So, um, you know, just all these lessons and, and providing it really excited about the program, clearly. And um, yeah, it does dovetail well with uh, programs we're already doing. You know, if we're already at the school, we might as well, you know, mulch the garden bed as well as the, the locations of the trees uh, with compost. And, you know, might as well bring some vegetable seedlings along with the kale. So, uh, you know, we, we've evolved as a program. It started out um, doing all the bare root trees that I mentioned, you know, out of the hatchback of uh, my car and, you know, um, seeing the suspension in the back go down with every bag of compost that I throw in there. Uh, now we've got the fruit tree mobile um, and uh, which is a well decorated. We have a good family friend who's an artist who, uh, you know, helped um, create the artwork that we put on the wrap of the van. So if you see the fruit tree mobile driving around, uh, we now have a trailer that is also decorated with the same artwork. Uh, so that capacity to haul more stuff, and it's still, it's, it gets pretty good gas mileage 
uh, the utility van that we have. So, um, so feel good about that um, while we're still able to haul um, seedlings and, and potted fruit trees and compost. And, um, but we still are getting creative about ways of creating re regional nurseries and, and working with um, folks to, to make, uh, um, and multiple farmers too. So, so, you know, we also encourage farmers who might want to grow seedlings for schools to, to reach out so that we can, or, you know, this doesn't have to happen uh, exclusively with us, uh, you know, being the liaison, you know, we encourage schools to work directly with farmers anyway, I mean, which they do uh, in many cases, but, but we're also happy to help um, kind of create these synergies and, and we want to see, um, you know, farms, uh, organic farms, you know, growing seedlings that go to the schools because it's great uh, if, if the farm has the capacity and the space in their greenhouse to, to make this fall succession of greens. Uh, that is the perfect time when the kids come back in September to plant them as long as there's good fertile beds for them to go into, um, then I think it all works great. So, uh, so we also encourage if, if farmers don't necessarily have a connection with their local schools, but, but want to be providing and, and supporting their community in that way, uh, we, we'd love to, to help create those synergies as well. Um, so yeah, again, our, our website's uh, retree.us or retreeus.org. You are tuned in to Common Ground Radio. Today we are speaking with Richard Hodges and Shelley Kruchevsky, who run Retree Us, a nonprofit organization that coordinates and plants educational orchards and gardens at schools across the state of Maine and elsewhere in New England. This show has been pre recorded, so we are not taking phone calls. Thank you. Shelley, did you have anything to, to add to that piece? Yeah, yeah. Um... So um, just, yeah, Richard did just mention the website and um, if people do want a visual of, of what we've been describing here for the back to school garden program, um, there is a section, there is a back to school garden guide on our website that um, has um, photos that show you the different steps of the process, um, including um, rolling out the recycled paper. So, um, so that's what we've um, come to use um, is um, rolls of, of um, that brown recycled um, kind of, um, you know, common, commonly found in schools, um, construction paper. And um, so, so you can, you can, you know, so you can get a visual of, of what, of what we're talking about and what that looks like um, there. Um, and, and, um, and just in, in talking about um, alignment um, as we have been, um, you know, Richard, I think um, that you've talked about how when you thought about, you know, planting orchards in schools, um, that one of the, the aspects that seemed like a really good fit is that um, fruit trees do um, fit the school calendar well. Um, you know, and, and um, the, you know, with the harvest happening in the fall. And um, so, um, so I just wanted to mention that, um, that, that, that orchards, um, fortunately do, you know, naturally um, fit that, that school calendar. Yeah. And, and with the peach trees that we plant, we make sure that there's somebody who's able to go to the schools in the summer to, to thin them out. Um, 
because that that's always before we plant a peach tree we got to make sure that they get thinned in the summer and, um, yeah and and they sometimes depending on where you are you know they'll be still ripe in, in early september um but sometimes uh depending on location the season the variety uh they're they're starting uh, really ripe in late august uh, a lot of times and so um sometimes it's uh yeah right when kids are getting back yeah or it's probably not too hard to convince someone to go pick a few peaches in august yes <laughs> they're pretty tasty pretty easy to find volunteers on that yeah. end. it's even better than dangling a carrot than dangling a peach <laughs> in my mind <laughs> So one of the other pieces I wanted to ask you ask you about is when we talk about the educational piece and the learning and all that is that you've also put a bunch of time and effort into developing some curriculum pieces, uh, some around pollination and plants themselves. And I don't know if Shelley or Richard, one of you wanted to just speak a little bit about that about that process, which I'm assuming was a bit of a collaboration to to put those pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we want the orchards to serve as outdoor classrooms. And, and it's interesting, the last couple of years, that's become in vogue more uh, for various reasons. But, um, you know, uh, so having lessons that are aligned to learning standards is uh, important to getting kids out in the gardens and, and uh, you know, not taking away in some ways, quote unquote, from from uh, classroom time and, and the standards that teachers need to meet and all that. So um, there's so many resources. And so in some ways, we're a conduit uh, to other resources. Um, Ag in the Classroom has a whole matrix of uh, lessons that are aligned to standards and that involve the garden. So there's just, a, there's actually a lot of resources out there. So, so if teachers are wanting to make gardens part of their curricula, there's a lot out there and we encourage folks and, and we have some, some links to that on our website. Uh, but also, yeah, we, we have developed some um, curricula that, that is specific to the orchards uh, that's aligned to learning standards. So um, particularly around pollination, as you mentioned, um, and just pollination is just such a awesome subject and, and um, it, it really teaches about the interconnectedness of, of humans with, with you know, life and, and biodiversity. And so, so it's such a, it touches upon so many things. Um, and, uh, you know, rather than, than dissecting a Asian lily that, that, you know, maybe can buy at the grocery store uh, or, um, you know, that really well <laughs> demonstrates the anatomy of a flower, uh, we've got a lesson that um, we're encouraging folks to go out into the orchard in the spring to look at apple blossoms and the anatomy of the flower there, and it breaks it down. Um, so, you know, that's oftentimes a part of um, curriculum. So, uh, so if you can go out into your own orchard and have that lesson there, um, you know, instead of bringing in flowers from, from South America, that, that's, you know, something, one, one benefit, um, but th there's a lot there, but so the lessons that we've developed um, in collaboration with First Light Habitats and um, uh, so, and other groups to help support it, uh, you know, it's focused on pollination, um, 
but there's so much out there that, that we we encourage folks and 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 as I've been talking about the FBI and uh, you know fungus bacteria invertebrates and and uh, I'm just think that decomposition and compost is is so there's materials that we reference that we didn't create um, that there's just a plethora of great stuff out there so um, we want to also just lead people in that direction to to uh, use gardens and orchards as classrooms because kids need to go outside and and Shelly mentioned that you know one big thing that we found is that uh, and it's no surprise some kids do well inside the classroom some do a lot better outside um, and so just want to give everybody the opportunity to learn outside and to be outside um, and, and also pursue these other exciting things so um, we're just happy to provide those opportunities and encourage folks to use the orchards as outdoor classrooms. But and Richard, I was also thinking um, if you wanted to talk a little bit more about um, when you worked with Deb Perkins at First Light Wildlife Habitats to to generate the the curriculum. Yeah, Deb is great. Um, was fortunate to get some funding to to have her be involved in. Um, yeah, she does all sorts of consultation. She's uh, ecologist and uh, is and has done a lot of lesson planning. So yeah, um, definitely. Thanks for reminding to give hats off to Deb uh, uh, Deb Perkins with First Light Habitats. Yes. How about thinking kind of plans for the future? Uh, I know you're. You're in your 10th year, so congratulations on the, that 10 year anniversary and lots of growth and change over time. But I was just thinking or wanted to ask, thinking of the future or looking at the next, you know, the next 10 years, let's say, or any new ideas on the horizon to continue this educational piece uh, with schools and, and plants and orchards. Or just trying to keep up with everything you're already doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. The the apple pie in the sky ideas is is part of you know what what made all this happen. And um, yeah, I, I could you know pontificate for quite a while um, on all this. You know what we're really trying to do is is provide these opportunities to really any student, every student, ideally. So I'd love to see fruit trees in every school. Uh, I, I really want to see um, paid garden coordinator at every school um, to help with the garden as well as the fruit trees because yeah, fruit trees, the, the nice thing about them in the school setting is they're less maintenance, but but all of us you know, who, who've grown them know that it's not no maintenance uh, by any means. Um, and some of the maintenance does, the schedule works well at schools. Uh, but, you know, there's always something. So there needs to be somebody, you know, you know, sending us a message. Hey, there's caterpillars on my tree. Like, what do I do? Uh, especially without, you know, we don't apply sprays or that sort of thing. So so one you know, big thing that I'm hopeful of in the next 10 years is that the value of the garden based education and orchard based education is going to expand and, and be appreciated. Uh, by more and more people and, and that funding will support, you know, whether it's in a school district or even uh, statewide, even nationally, um, want to see, um, you know, a garden coach or a garden coordinator at every school uh, to help with these programs. Um, and so we're doing our work to try to 
you know, advocate for that stuff, but also to provide the resources, um, even if schools don't have that, you know, to be able to still have a successful garden, um, to still have these learning opportunities, if there's a dedicated staff member who cares about this stuff. Uh, so, which we feel like everybody should. So as, as far as, you know, the next 10 years, we're, we are expanding. Uh, we have started planting orchards in New Hampshire. Um, we've done, gone down to Cape Cod Community College. We're going to be planting an orchard in Vermont um, this fall. And uh, so, you know, we're becoming more regional, but also the bulk of our work is still in Maine. And uh, there's so many schools that stand to benefit in Maine. Um, so, so just continuing to plant more orchards uh, within our capacity um, and to, you know, grow this back to school garden program. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to get our hands dirty and, and make these happen, but also creating a model that uh, can be replicated um, and that, you know, creating videos and instruction and, and utilizing, you know, the great people that might be listening uh, to this show who, who already know uh, a lot of probably more than than I do about these things. So, you know, utilizing the resources in communities and um, just kind of, you know, helping conduct uh, in ways programs that are beyond our physical means to do uh, so that we could provide an orchard in every school or a garden in every school and, and provide these educational resources uh, that I feel like are so important because um, every student should have this opportunity and every person should have access to healthy food. Um, and so we want to make that happen. We're, we're aware that we're, you know, uh, finite human beings, but but ideas aren't always finite. And um, the more that they're shared and and um, and felt and and um, the more that people act upon them, uh, you know, there's no limit to to how much reach these ideas can have. So uh, yeah, just trying to cultivate thought as well. So that's that's part of bringing it back to uh, you know. Our slogan, uh, planting trees of fruit and seeds of thought. Uh, you know, there's only so much we can physically do, but uh, with with the thoughts that we're planting, with with these ideas, uh, we're hopeful that uh, we can create environmental stewardship. We're hopeful that we can create uh, folks who want to provide food to their communities and really have a reach far beyond uh, what we can physically do. Um, so, so that's, that's the dream is, is really, uh, you know, a more thriving society that, that cares about the environment and, and that we're taking care of our neighbors as well as the planet. So let's make sure that people, we've mentioned it a few times, but your website for more information for folks is either retree.us or retreeus.org will bring you to the same the same piece there. And that's where lots of information can be found. And there's also ways to contact contact you folks individually, as well as put in an application. Is that is that right on there? Yeah. So yes. the info at retreeus.org goes to both Shelly and myself via email. Um, I think my personal cell phone number is on the website. So, um, so you know, uh, my voicemail is one of those where it's like, for me or for Retrius. So it's, uh, we, we try to, you know, have appear like a large organization, but it's still very much grassroots. Well, I think we have come to the end of our, our time here. So 
Again, we've been talking with Retree Us, planting trees of fruit and seeds of thought here in, in the Northeast region. So I want to thank Richard Hodges for being here, as well as Shelly Krushevsky. Really appreciate you being on the show today. And good luck with all of the work in your, in your next 10 years. Well, thanks, CJ. And yeah, appreciate it. And thank you for having us on, WERU. Yeah, sure thank today. you for having us, CJ. It was great to talk with you. Well, we have come to the end of today's show, and I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to Common Ground Radio. I'm your host, CJ Walk. I'd also like listeners to know that this is my last show hosting Common Ground Radio, as I am leaving Mofka at the end of this month to pursue other agricultural endeavors in Waldo County. I've been the show's primary host since 2014, and it's been a joy to work with WERU over the years. And it's been a great honor to speak with so many passionate and committed members of our community on such a wide range of agricultural topics and food system issues. The show will go on, hosted by other members of the MOFCA staff, and who knows, maybe someday I will be a guest. Common Ground Radio is brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association in conjunction with WERU, which can be heard at 4 p.m. on the second Thursday of every month right here and only here on your community radio station, WERU, 89.9 FM and WERU.org. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great programming.